this being Mother's Day, um, I, I was sort of torn of, of what to do with the message for today. And uh, I thought about the Proverbs passage, and I thought about uh, some of the well-known passages that we look at. Um, but I want to look at an interesting statement in Scripture um, that we have in the book of Genesis concerning Eve. And so if you'll turn to Genesis, and I'm going to show you the kind of the, the main text, uh, but we're going to look at several different verses this morning concerning Eve. And it tells us in chapter 3, verse 20, uh, a very simple statement. It says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Today is Mother's Day, and, and we want to honor those. When um, I think of, of uh, our mom, uh, she was uh, a, a very upbeat person. Uh, she's gone to be with the Lord. Uh, she was... Absolutely a delightful, uh, loved life, uh, loved to laugh. In fact, if you got mom giggling, uh, she would be the one in the service that you'd have to say, shh, don't, don't make noise. Uh, she, she could get uh, laughing very hard, and uh, she was a lot of fun. You know, mothers are, are mothers no matter what age you are. Um, mom had cancer and uh, passed away almost 20 years ago. From cancer, but I remember going to visit her and dad when um, it was getting fairly close to when the Lord took her home, and uh, I just had to laugh because I was 40 years old, and I came into uh, the room and she was in a recliner, very weak at that point, and kind of whispered, couldn't talk very loudly, and I leaned over and gave her a kiss, and she very uh, uh, softly whispered, she said you're not wearing a coat. It was fall. And she was worried about me catching a cold. And I thought, it's okay, Mom. I'm, I'm 40. I'm married. I have children. But that didn't bother her a bit to tell me that I needed to be wearing a coat um, because she was a mom. And she cared for me and loved me. Um, when we look at Scripture and we look at this title that these ladies are given of motherhood, it's very special. But I'd like to look at uh, the passages, very simply, that talk about Eve this morning and see what we can learn from it. There are lessons that we can find from the very first mother in all of Scripture. So I want you to back up a page or two into chapter 1. First thing I want us to look at this morning is our wonderful God and his relationship to Eve, the first mother. And the first thing I want us to see this morning is that he showed his love for her 
in creation. And I want you to see this morning that God shows his love to you in creation. Let's look at verse 26 and 27 of chapter 1. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. But I want you to notice, ladies, this morning is, is that you are in a very blessed position, as all of us are, as demonstrated in creation, in that God showed his love for us. It says specifically that God formed Eve. And he was pleased with his creation. As verse 27 says, male and female created he them. God saw all that he had made and said, it is good. And that's what I want you to see in scripture this morning is that God knows you. You are a product of God's creation. And he knows you personally. And you are important to him. Jeremiah 1.5 reminds us, speaking of the prophet Jeremiah, but it's true of all of us, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, God said. I knew you before you were created in the womb, he says in the next verse. In Psalm 139 Verses 13 through 16, it tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The psalmist says, I was not hidden from you when I was still in secret in the womb. So for you today, ladies, he's reminding us that God says, I know you. I know you not just because you bear children, but I know you because I created you. And it wasn't accidental. It was defined, specific, and on purpose. Male and female created he them. So the focus today is not just on the fact that you've had children, but on the life of investment in another person. So I wanted to begin by showing us this passage in chapter 1 where we look at the record of creation that God made man and woman, and both of them are intentional by God's creative hand, and because of that, we hold both male and female in high honor today as a direct act of God. And ladies, the focus today is God knows you, and he loves you. And God has made no distinction in salvation between male and female, between Jew and Gentile, between young and old, between slave or free, is that God loves us. The second thing I'd like for us to look at is going back to chapter 3 
verse 20. And so if number one, we see this morning that God has shown his love to us in creation. Second of all, God has shown his love to you in the role he has given to you of motherhood. Because verse 20 says, Adam called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all the living. Here we see this is a graciously given a blessed position of motherhood. Eve, as many of you probably already know, Eve means literally life or living. That is the very essence of the meaning of her name. She is the mother of all mankind. And I know you know this, but just let it sink in a little bit because the world has so warped our thinking concerning this that everyone, every human being on earth today, every human being that has ever lived, every human being that will be born in the future is from this very first couple on earth. The biblical account is very direct. Humanity is not by chance, not by accident, a salient God who exercised his creative mind intentionally and directly created mankind. He created the first man and the first woman. They were fully developed humans with all the skills and cognitive powers that we possess today. All of the human inhabitants on earth today are the extended product of those first two individuals. And as such, Eve is indeed, as verse 20 says, the mother of all the living. And because of that, she is held in high honor and she is greatly blessed. But I was thinking how many ladies in scripture are spoken of as honored and blessed. Of course, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was blessed. And in fact, she said that in her prayer of thanksgiving to God. She said, I of all people are blessed. Sarah, Abraham's wife, was blessed. She was the mother of the nation of Israel. Elizabeth was blessed. She was the mother of John the Baptist, the one who introduced the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting that Hagar, who was the recipient of the jealousy of Sarah, yet God looked down in mercy and had compassion on that young mother and her young boy. You see, you are very blessed to carry that title of mother. It's a very special title. It says that God has entrusted you with a life and you will be rewarded for that. You know, moms and dads this morning, we think of this precious gift that God has given to us to rear children for the glory of God. It is, it is a team job um, to rear young lives for the glory of God. Um, it, is, it, is, 
an honor to do that, and yet it's, it's frightening to do it. Uh, we're at a stage where we've got a college graduate now all the way down, as Mike said a minute ago, to an 11-year-old. And so we are, uh, we're at all different stages at once. And it's, it's scary and frightening and yet exhilarating that we have the privilege of rearing lives that God has entrusted to us for his glory. And so this is a very special title, Mother. Well, that brings us to another passage. And for this, I'd like for you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Because Eve is mentioned again in this passage. And in 2 Corinthians 11... We'll look at the first three verses. The Apostle Paul is speaking, and he said, Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now notice verse 3. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. All right, so let's consider what we have already this morning, learning from the life of Eve. One is that we are richly blessed to have you ladies um, that God showed his love at creation. Secondly, God showed his love in the role that he has given you as mothers. But this third is that God shows his love to you in giving you a warning. And it's a warning that is for you ladies, but it's for us men as well. But he references Eve in it. And let's consider what he says in verse 3. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Think with me. He's just told us that we are richly blessed. But being blessed by God even though we are blessed by God, we still have to be very careful. We have to be on the alert. Blessed people still have to watch out for Satan's tactics, for Satan's temptations. Satan deceived Eve by the serpent's cunningness. You remember back in chapter 3 of Genesis... You remember how he started out by saying, did God really say? And then he, he was questioning God's goodness. He started with something that she would raise questions in her mind. He said, you can't eat from any tree. And she corrected him, no, we can eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say we must not eat from the tree that's in the middle. We can't touch it or we will die. 
You remember Satan's response through the serpent? Oh, no, you won't die. God just knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, that caused the woman to focus on that tree and she looked at it. And as you know the story, she said, wow, that really does look good. Man, that would be great for eating, and it would make me even smarter. And he deceived her, because what Satan did, he took something that God had said don't do, and he presented it in such a way that she missed the point that God was making from the very beginning. He put it in such desirable terms that she forgot what he said, and God said, eat it and you will die. And at that moment that she and Adam ate of it, they died spiritually. They sinned. At that instant, a barrier was created between them and God. And they were separated from God spiritually at that instant. And eventually they would die physically. Their bodies would wear out, they would grow old, and they would die. And as God said in chapter 3, verse 19... uh, You were formed out of the dust of the ground, and unto dust you shall return. But would you look at 2 Corinthians 11 again with me in verse 3? Because he says, Eve was deceived. But he says, "I'm, I'm warning you, graciously, lovingly warning you, that you too can be deceived. I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So here's a warning for us today, that you and I can be led away from a sincere and pure devotion to Jesus Christ, and we must beware of that. Let me ask you, think in your mind. Is there someone or something or some group that is trying to turn you away from a pure, sincere love of your Savior? Ladies, I think about motherhood. If a child, let's say your child sins, and what's the... What's really a natural thing is, is uh, sometimes even in their sin to become a very protective mama bear. And Satan's temptation might be for you to stop honoring God and his word and decide with that child even when you know they're doing wrong. Now, what I don't mean by that, it doesn't mean you stop loving your child, doesn't mean that you stop wanting the child to do right, but rather what I am saying, no, you love that child that when they have done wrong, you lovingly point them back to the truth. You see, that's very different from becoming protective and, oh, my little baby, oh, they didn't mean it. And so we never help them deal with their sin. And so he says, be very careful that 
that Satan doesn't lie to you and you buy into it, that you would be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. Listen, I've got kids and I know the struggles that can be there sometime of of this balance because you love them, but that love must show in the form of always taking them back to God's word and the truth in it. And so if someone who loves you, your family and your kids, and is lovingly showing your child and trying to help them face the truth when they've made wrong decisions, we come alongside and we agree with that and we thank them for their help with that. Because if there's anything that is pulling you from an all-out commitment to Jesus Christ this morning, be very careful. Satan will package it as, as something that we want to do or need to do. And then you think, wait, what does Scripture say? And we come back and say, no, no, no. I need to agree with our Savior And so when Jesus stops being the primary focus of our lives and he starts, we find ourselves being pulled away in disobedience to Jesus. Come back to this verse and say, learn from Eve. Eve was deceived and Satan would love to do the same thing to us. So God shows his love in creation in that it was intentional. Nothing was by mistake. Male and female created he them. God shows his love in giving that that role of motherhood. Eve was the mother of all the living. God is loving in giving warnings that Satan will try to pull us away from Christ. That brings us to our last thought. And for this, let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, we have Eve mentioned one more time. And in this, we have verses 13 through 15 of 1 Timothy 2. It says, For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. And so here's my last thought this morning, and that is God has shown his love for you as mothers in his protection. Now let's consider this. It says in verse 15, notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing. And so the question is, what does that mean? And that's a really good question. 
And uh, there's a lot of different opinions, and I'm going to share some of them with you because we may not be able to be dogmatic, but within these thoughts, we have what God is telling us. So a little bit of background here, again, a reminder that in verse 13, Adam was first formed, then Eve, that God made a distinction of male and female from the very beginning, that Eve was created to be Adam's help meet. She was created specifically for him. Man and woman were created for each other. And it's just good that we remind ourselves of that. We live in a society that is trying to throw out those distinctions. We live in a society that, that is trying to blur what God has said is very clear. And so... Verse 14 tells us Adam was not deceived in this situation. Eve was. And that's an interesting fact that perhaps we forget about when we read Genesis 3, that Eve was tricked by Satan. When Adam took of the fruit, he knew what she had done, and he simply went along with it, even though he knew it was wrong. Now, after that lesson that they both sinned, it makes this unusual statement that she will be saved in childbirth. So let's just talk about that. What does that mean? Number one, some commentators say that they feel this is a reference to womanhood in general represented in Mary, the mother of Jesus. And what they mean by that is that Mary represented womanhood. And womanhood is saved in childbirth in that Mary gave birth to Jesus Christ the Savior. And by giving birth to Jesus Christ the Savior, she is saved through his life and death and burial and resurrection. I don't disagree with that. That's perfectly true. She placed her faith and trust in God for her salvation, just like everyone else must do. Mary did not get an automatic ticket to heaven by giving birth to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And when you read her words, she refers to God as her Savior, her Lord and Savior. The second interpretation of this, that she shall be saved in childbearing, is that, ladies, by bringing children into the world, a woman is demonstrating her salvation as she teaches the children to walk in faith and love and holiness with sobriety, as verse 15 uh, references. In other words, preparing others to know and love Jesus is certainly a goal for mothers and fathers. We are, whether you, when you put all the passages together that talk about mothers and fathers, the emphasis is on that we are training our children to know and love Jesus Christ. And in embracing this special role of motherhood, it is your way of showing your faith. Now, why is that important that we consider that today? Because there are some women who conceive children that they do not want. Children are considered a nuisance. 
The child is a problem that needs to be removed from their plans. May I remind you from Scripture that children are not a curse. They are a blessing. They are given to us by God. Psalm 127, verse 3, Children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Remember Jesus' own words in Luke 18, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. We are to come to God as little children when we come by faith. It is a blessing to be called a mother or a father. It is a blessing to carry that title. It is also a calling. It's a commitment. But let me give you a third possibility of this passage of notwithstanding she shall be saved in childbearing. Henry Alford The commentator states that being saved in something does not necessarily mean being saved by it. And he reminds us that in, you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, when it talks about a person will be saved yet as by fire. Um, It's saying that a a believer uh, may go through trials and tests, yet that won't take away their relationship with God, uh, they will go through the fire, but they're going to come through it. That's the whole point. In both this verse, both in childbirth and in 1 Corinthians 3, when it says that person going through trials will be saved, yet as by fire, it's interesting that in childbirth and by fire are really the in and the by are the very same word. It's dia, D-I-A. And in that, it's a preposition, and it literally means uh, across to the other side, or to go back and forth all the way through, or to successfully travel across something. And so in 1 Corinthians 3, when it talks about going through the trial... That, that you will be saved yet as by fire, that passage is saying that though a person is going through the fire, they will be saved. They will come out on the other side, and God will bless them, though it's a difficult time. And in this passage, it's saying that she will be saved in childbearing that she will be saved though she goes through childbirth. Can I take you back to Genesis 3 for a second? You don't have to turn there. But think with me. What were the results of Adam and Eve sinning? The Bible said that Adam would uh, would experience great pain in labor, in working in the ground. That doing his daily labor would be far more difficult. There would be thorns and thistles, the sweat of the brow. How about Eve? It said concerning Eve that her childbearing would be much more difficult. There would be sorrow in bringing forth children. In other words, the delivery 
would be a painful labor. Alford contends that in this passage of the fall, Paul is teaching that despite the fall, the penalty that that comes with it to women because of the fall, that God is merciful. And by that I mean, you look at Adam, Adam was saved by grace, though he must pass through the greatly increased pain of work that is far more difficult than it would have been before sin. And that Eve was saved by grace, and though she has to pass through her trial of greatly increased pain in childbirth because of the fall, yet God brings her through it. In other words, you've got this this wonderful protection that God has promised. And so if you'll look at 1 Timothy 3, it tells us in verse 15, notwithstanding she shall be saved in childbearing, if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. And here it is, the focus is on the ladies. But it's true for all of us, is that what is God's plan for us is that in the difficulties of this world, in whatever trials are there, in whatever pain is is involved, God's intent is that we would continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. So what does God want of us this morning? God says as we think about the blessings that Eve experienced as being the mother of the living, and for Adam, the father of all the living, is that God wants us to look at this and understand that he goes with us through whatever we go through, whatever trial we're experiencing. And I don't know what you might be experiencing this morning. There may be a a trial of, of some sort of physical difficulty, and it's very hard. You may be going through an emotional difficulty that just the, there are some trials in life that are weighing heavily on you and are extremely difficult. It could be trials that you're going through with your children or with parents or siblings. It could be something that you're going through at work right now that it's just they're they're demanding things of you and you don't quite know how to handle all of it. And yet... We've got this promise of God that God's going to take us through that difficulty. And he will carry us along. What are we to do with that? We're to continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. We're to walk by faith. What is walking by faith? Very simply. It's not running ahead of God. It's not lagging behind God. But it is walking with God in faith. It's trusting Him. It's coming to His Word and seeing what He has for us that day and simply say, by God's grace, that's how I want to live. It says to live in charity, to live in love. We should be showing the love of Christ. You you look at the life of Jesus Christ. When you look at how he handled people, 
how he handled trials, how he responded to those who treated him horribly, how he loved those who were the unlovely. And we, too, should walk in charity. We should walk in the love of Christ, show the love of Christ. We should walk in holiness, verse 15. In other words, we live for him. We don't live for the world. The world's constantly pulling us, trying to get us to live like them. And we want to live for God. We want to live in holiness with sobriety. Sobriety there carries the idea of self-control with good judgment. God, help us to be wise. Help us to think clearly as we look at this world and to be like our Savior. So ladies, God has richly blessed you. And men, we are honored that we have been blessed with those that God has given to us. Let's use what God has given for his glory.